This is 69 The Podcast. I'm Dave Haynes. 69 has been covering the digital signage industry since the dawn of man, first online and now as a podcast. The goal on here is to make listeners aware of interesting companies, smart people, and new technology developments, all of them meaningful in making digital signage projects happen. I try to help listeners understand sometimes complicated subjects and why they should care. The podcasts are free and I try to get a new one out weekly, but things happen now and then. The 69 Podcast has been gratefully sponsored and supported since the start by Jeremy Gavin and the fine folks at ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. ScreenFeed makes beautiful-looking, totally automated content for signage and digital out-of-home networks. Check them out at ScreenFeed.com. 69 has been around since 2006, and the publication and podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which provides customer engagement solutions for business. You can find them at Spectrio.com. When Terminal C was opened at Orlando's sprawling main airport, I was intrigued from a distance by the experiential digital features integrated into the new space. They got my attention because they were genuinely interesting, but also because they were put together by a company completely unfamiliar to me, Gentilhomme from Montreal. In the time since that project went live and won numerous awards, Gentilhomme, which is French for gentlemen, has also delivered experiential work for Nashville's airport and the team is in the middle of a job for Houston's airport and another airport on the U.S. East Coast that's NDA'd for now. I've been trying to organize a podcast chat with founder Thibaut Duvernay for a while now, and we finally got it together recently. We spoke about signature projects and the ideation and design process, but we also get into the background of the company, which has roots in things like rock band tours and has some direct ties to a couple of very well-known Montreal companies that are also all about experience, Cirque du Soleil and Moment Factory. Enjoy. Thibault, thank you for joining me. Uh, you describe Gentium as an earth-based, well, your company does, as an earth-based multimedia studio. What does that encompass? Because you guys are into a whole bunch of things. Hey, David. Um yeah, it's a really good question. Um, the idea is that studio was built around my own practice uh, as an artist and as a multimedia director at first. And um, I come from fine art and computer science, so I like to do all things that are very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's been very hard to describe what the studio does because the studio was built uh, using that philosophy. Um, and most of the time, people would ask you, oh, don't you want to specialize in anything, you know, like video content? And, and I was like, no, I don't. You know, we, we like to do a lot of different things. And they go from interactive sculpture or inflatables to building placemaking for airports and content for rock shows. <laughs> so I guess hey. the best de- description was, was the, around that, you know, we, we want to create experiences and the medium doesn't really matter. So when people come into the office, they never quite know what they're coming into, right? Pretty much. But luckily, <laughs> luckily the, the, the casting at the studio is, you know, very broad and everybody is like a Swiss Army knife. Yeah. How and why did it get started? Um, this is my second studio. I had um, another one before and we were doing a lot of uh, the first experiential work on the web in Flash at the time and then mm. VR. Um, God, I just not... forgot about Flash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe for a good reason. <laughs> Probably, yes. Um, but, you know, I was also doing on the side music videos and rock shows. Uh, and um, 
eventually I wanted to focus more on directing and doing things in real life with people. Uh, so I kind of went my way and I built Gentil Young more, more like a, my holding company in a way for what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and one day Sandy Soleil called me and I had this show in France they wanted to do for a theme park, uh, which was a multimedia show while heavily relying on multimedia. And I thought I was just going to direct it. Uh, but then they were like, no, we have five weeks and we need it turnkey. Can you also, you know, just make it happen? And so I, I built like a pop-up studio to do that. And then they said, hey, do you want to do our next big top tour? And they said, yes, you know, and, and then, then I had a choice of to do I keep doing my director work or do I build a studio with the people that I want doing what I want the way I want it because it's never a one-man show. It's, you know, you need a team to do that. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's what I did because... I wanted to capitalize on my knowledge. And, and Cirque is in Montreal as you are. Exactly. Yeah, we are all children of circus in, in Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was going to ask about that later, but we might as well get into it. What, what is it about Montreal? Because, uh, you know, in, in my world, in the multimedia digital signage world, there's Jean Thiam, there's the big guy, Moment Factory, and there's also Float4. Uh, Arsenal Media was there be, before, and, and so on. There's there, there's a, a real creative community in that city, and it's been particularly strong when it comes to uh, you know the digital science play space work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always say it comes from Cirque. I don't know if I'm right, but I think it's one reason. Um, you know, Cirque was kind of the first to push the boundaries of what had been done, you know, and it created a lot of side studios, uh, people that actually built highly complicated stages and, you know, animatronics and stage equipment, but also people like Norman Factor, you know, who started doing parties for Guilla Liberté and stuff. And, and then, mm-hmm. you know, they turned out to be who they are now, but, but I believe like Cirque was a big part of it. And, um, and also all of the tech, you know, there is like, um, a, a big tech ball, you know, it started with uh, the web and engineering, and now it's a lot of AI and uh, tax credits help that a lot too. And there is a big mm-hmm. VFX industry also. So the VFX is part of it. Yeah, there's ga- a lot of gaming companies in Montreal, right? Yeah, VFX and gaming. Ubisoft is here, and uh, all of the big VX- VFX shops are here. Mm-hmm. So at one point uh, for, for a while there, you, you were working with Moment Factory. How, how long were you there? I was never there. Um, uh, I was always freelancing and part, ah, of, okay. the, part of the family. Uh, my first project with them was, uh, I was a interactive multimedia director for the Nine Inch Nails show in 2008. I think that's the first time we started collaborating together. And uh, yeah, and I helped them with, uh, with a lot of projects. So when, when did you start Chantillon? 2014. Okay. And uh, where, where are you at now with it? Is, is it uh, still kind of a freelance collaborative or is it like a full company with offices and full-time staff and all that stuff? Oh, no, yeah. It's, it's, it's a full-on operation now. We are about 25 people and, and full-time and we expand depending on the projects. Uh, so obviously when we do, you know, airport and things like this, we, we 
you know, we could be 80 on the project, but, mm -hmm. but I like, I like to keep it small and to do only shoot project at the time. Everybody is very senior here. Uh, so that was kind of my idea of, of the studio, like to be small, but with highly competent people and do only shoot projects at the time. Yeah, it was, I went to, uh, Moment Factory's offices about, oh, I'm thinking six years now, I'm pre-COVID and I met with the folks there and one really interesting comment that they made was they were so busy that they couldn't even deal with all the inbound opportunities that they had. So they were quite happy to uh, pass along work for jobs that they, they either just didn't have the bandwidth to do or wasn't really in their wheelhouse or, or whatever. I'm, I'm curious if uh, y your your company collaborates at all with uh, your 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 former uh, contractor contractor at uh, Moment Factory? Um, it's been a while, um, mm -hmm. but you know we're always happy to collaborate. Montreal is a very small community. Mm -hmm. So let, let's talk about some of the work that you do. I uh, you know we we could talk about music videos and <laughs> Cirque du Soleil and all those <laughs> sorts of things, but. Uh, Given this is a digital science pro podcast, we, could, we should probably talk about that. Uh, the, the, the projects that come to mind for me that I'm, I'm most familiar with your work from would be Orlando Airport and then the Nashville Airport. Yeah. Can you describe, uh, you know, we, we talk about both of them or describe one of them? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, it was kind of a game changer for us. Uh, we entered the pandemic, we were finishing a stadium tour for Fall Out Boy, uh, Wizard and Green Day. And um, mm -hmm. obviously uh, that got shelved in March. And at the same time, we won the RFP for the Orlando Airport Terminals, uh, which was very big for us. Uh, I mean, for anybody, it would have been big, but especially for mm -hmm. us. Uh, and yeah, we, we went full on with it. You know, we created more than five hours of content uh, that is across all style of content, you know, there is a lot of live action content, a lot of computer generated content and a lot of interactive content. So we designed and created all of the multimedia content across those, uh, three giant media features. I think ultimately they only built two, but, uh, there is one that's called the moment vault, mm -hmm. which is a double-sided circular media feature. Uh, each panel is about 4k inside of, of it and outside it's uh four millimeters so i think now about two gauge uh and um so outside it's only video and we wanted to create uh that sense of place and oasis something very calm uh and the tromploy of a wall that would transform into a garden mm -hmm. to invite you to get inside of it and inside of it so we we created a full 360 degree uh, interactive scenery in Unreal um, that's using uh, AI body tracking. Um, so basically the people would use, you know, their movements to interact with the scenes. And we also created a lot of underwater 360 degrees uh, live action footage of manatees and landmarks from central Florida. Uh, and on the second media feature, it's three giant flat LED screens that looks like windows in the corridor. Mm -hmm. um, and here the idea was to create something uh, that looks like a window, uh, a lot of live action. Uh, so we 
we created uh, those trompe effects where you really feel like you're looking through a window. And again, we wanted to showcase more the unknown of Orlando than the known. So we did not really focus much on amusement parks and, you know, entertainment. And we really focused on nature and things that people don't necessarily expect from central Florida. Yeah. Oh, was there a brief of any kind or like, how did you arrive at uh, what was done there? Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) So they had a multimedia architect, uh, you know, Marcella Sardi, and she was, uh, she was in charge of the vision and and the the RFP came after. So she designed the media pictures and she had a vision for what the content should be uh, as an architect. Uh, And basically the brief was the known and the unknown (laughs) of Orlando, right? And and so we went with that and we we collaborated with her very closely. It turned out pretty good, I think. It's challenging working in airports, is it not? I'm assuming for the lead times involved, but also some of the you know, nuts and bolts stuff, like getting access into, into, you know, post-security areas and so on. Yeah. I mean, it is, but it depends on how organized you are and how good of a relationship you have with the stakeholders. Uh, for Orlando, we, we did this through pandemics. So that was, um, already a challenge and we went pretty pretty far with it because we we actually had our own servers hooked up into uh, the whole system of the airport so we could work only using laptops and small workstations over our own Wi-Fi so we could work directly on the media feature mm-hmm. uh, in, in real time. So, you know, getting all of those access was pretty intense because you need to get it to firewalls, the server rooms and the badging. But, you know, if it's all about organization and relationship and getting the clearance. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge and you follow construction. So that's the hardest part because we mm-hmm. work very fast and construction doesn't work fast. So you have to align on the schedule. It, it sounds like the work that you and your team do, you know, it's obviously driven by creative thinking and execution, but there's a, you couldn't just be multimedia producers. You you need quite a bit of technical acumen, right? Yeah, yeah. Engineering is is a big part of it because we do a lot of interactivity, and um, so we have you know C plus plus programmers, and now we work a lot in Unreal, but still we we build our own pipelines and own plugins. Uh, so yeah, yeah. And you, you've had to do that because you know, you're, 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 you're kind of inventing experiences uh, when you go into these things and it, it's not, these are not, this is not functionality you can just buy off the shelf from existing software. Yeah, exactly. Well, sometimes you do, but <clears throat> like we have our own tracking solution um, for that reason specifically, not that we didn't want to buy it to build it. It's just. It didn't really exist at the level we wanted it. So when it doesn't exist, you have to build it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're not necessarily a tech company, but we, we do develop tech out of necessity. Right. Uh, one of your local, I don't want to call them competitors, but fellow companies uh, that are doing that kind of work float for, float mm-hmm. for they, they actually came up with their own media servers be, 
because they had to design this stuff. Have you sort of found the same thing where there, there's there's technology that you've developed or you, you could think, well, maybe we could remarket this? Yeah, it's it's always been a discussion. We talk about this a lot, actually, with Alex. And I mean, they went into the real motion thing very early in the game and now they're mm-hmm. It's like they can't really go back and they're really pushing this. Um, but we are not into the product business. We are a creative company. So basically we have two products, if you want to say, like we have a sugar mm-hmm. dish for interactive installation and we have a tracking system, but, but we are trying to not sell that as product. We, you know, we would license this for project and we would give it for friends or other artists that need it because it's boring to build that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't want to be in that business because it's a it's a very different business. Yeah, yeah, you're you're <laughs> you're going to very different kinds of trade shows and things if you're going at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for over a decade, Screenfeed has been the reliable choice for beautifully designed, licensed content such as news and weather. We handle over 27 million requests a day to deliver dynamic content to 200,000 screens across the globe. Now we bring you ScreenFeed Connect, a no-code solution that makes complex content projects easy. Projects that used to take our designers and developers weeks became a to-do we could complete before lunch. The easy-to-use browser-based tool leverages pre-built data connections and ready-made widgets to give you the power to design with data. Create team member profiles, schedules, tenant directories, progress boards, featured products, or anything that leverages your data. Discover how Connect empowers you to complete projects faster at screenfeed.com. Can you talk a little bit about the Nashville airport? Because, you know, that that's also very experiential, but quite a bit different from how, what you did at Orlando. Yeah, absolutely. So the Nashville airport, um, they actually built that huge screen um, on top of security, mm-hmm. uh, TSA, and then... Um, they didn't really know what to do with it. That's all. Like when once they built it, they they knew they were going to use it, you know, for signage and for feeds and stuff and advertising. But then they they were wondering, hey, should we do something experiential? And they reached out and and we started thinking about what we could do. And we actually did this very quickly because they were very far in the process and they never really thought about the strategy about counting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think we did that in. 11 months probably from strategy to delivery. Um, and yeah, so we had them doing all of the strategy the, about placemaking and identity and, and what would make something compelling for Nashville. But also you don't want to create a bottleneck because it's a TSA. So we wanted to create some form of engagement and, and, and identity, but not having uh, breaking the flow of TSA, right? Right. Uh, so you didn't want also, people stopping and watching for 10 minutes. No, exactly. Um, and also we had to incorporate uh, all of the signage stuff. So the sheets, the widgets, um, mm-hmm. and also uh, the advertising. So we designed grids and systems and branding guidelines. So they would have everything that they need to do all of that, right? So it's not like you just do a full takeover and then they have the other stuff. We wanted to make it uh, integrated and as an ecosystem. So mm-hmm. we also had them... Um, designing their media system because they didn't really have uh, something strong in place. Uh, so we worked with the engineers to recommend some solutions for them. Bye-bye. 
It, it, it's interesting. I've, I've heard this story many times through the years, and it, it's, it's still a little bit surprising that uh, you have organizations that will make a, a very ambitious and expensive capital investment in a, a big video wall, and, and they're well along the way with it. And then they start thinking, okay, what are we going to put on this thing? Yeah, I mean, it depends, right? Um, right now we're working with the Houston airport and, and they sort of bought it pretty early in the process. Mm -hmm. I think people are getting better at it because they see what the other people are doing and they're like, right. hey, we should, we should not wait last minute because these things take time and people get educated about it. So that's good. Uh, but yeah, for sure. Sometimes, you know, they go out with the program and because the program follows construction, they, they just go step by step, you know, they would. They know they need a video wall. They work with the architects. They work with the engineers. They build it. They design it. It's state of the world. You know, it's beautiful. It's nanolumens, two millimeters, whatnot. Uh, but then, yeah, they, they must thought about the content strategy until the end. Mm -hmm. have, have you found that because you've now done a couple of airports and, and you're working on Houston, that uh, the, the simple fact that you've done these leads to other opportunities to do other airports? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And also we, you know, we want to do those because we, I think we, we got pretty good at it, uh, because we understand the problematic, you know, we're on the technical side, but also on the, you know, user experience side, it's, it's something very interesting for us. And we really like to be immersed in different cultures. And that's what I love about Apple, because that's the first thing, you know, when you enter the city and that's the last memory you get and, and if we get a chance to create something unique for every airport, I think it's very interesting. And, and you get to work with local people and to understand their community and, and who they are and what the city is about. And I think it's very exciting. Mm -hmm. I, I assume airports are also a, a good kind of client to have just simply because they have billion dollar budgets for, you know, terminal expansions. And they, they can work your component into those kinds of budgets in a way that maybe a retailer or a, uh, a, a commercial property owner who's also putting up a big video wall might look at uh, the process and, and the overall cost of doing what you guys do and, and turn white. Like there's, there's, <laughs> there's not that many end user clients who can do what Nashville and what Orlando did, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's also very different because, um, the problem is volume because, um, if you're doing airports, you need to create a lot of content, like enough mm -hmm. content. So it doesn't feel repetitive because people stay there a lot and there's a lot of dwelling time. So, and we like to do high end content. We don't want to do cheap content chip in the terms that in blockchips. chips. Uh, so, okay. so, so, so it's like the challenge is how do you maintain production value across the board? Because the budget might seem big, but it's not because you have to do so much as such a mm -hmm. high resolution. Uh, right. That's because the, the screens are becoming crazy, you know, like you get 1.8 millimeters across, you know, the whole corridor. So it's like a lot of pixels to push. So the challenge is maintaining quality and quantity. Mm -hmm. Where when you do retail, you might spend the same amount of money for a couple of minutes, right? Uh, so it's just very, very different approach. 
What what's the process and as you said the approach uh, wh- when you uh, get engaged in in, in a, a big project like this? Like, where do you start? What, what are those first questions you're asking? Well, we're trying Beyond, to find. Do you have a budget for this? <laughs> well, usually they do have the budget most of the time, <laughs> and and you retrofit it within the budget, uh, but not always. And uh, no, we're trying to find uh, the identity. You know, like what are you, what are you about, and what do you want to communicate? And so, so then we can start building a strategy around placemaking and identity. So that, that's the main focus, and that's something you do very closely with the clients. And they usually they never done this before, or or, or maybe they've done it, but on the marketing side. Uh, so so it starts from marketing most of the time, and we try to understand better the mission they are mm-hmm. and bid from that. I, I've seen some of the airport projects when there's um, PR issued about it. There, there's talk about how this is highly experiential and uh, gives people the sense of joy that they're flying and, and, and so on. It, it, it all gets very ethereal at times. And I, I wonder how you define experiential, what it means and, and what, what you're trying to deliver in, in these kinds of environments in terms of a feeling. Um, yeah, it's, it, it really depends on where the media feature would be. Um, cause again, if you are, if you are TSA, you want to make sure that you get things flying, flowing through and, um, and you want to try to create this sense of place and identity, but not go too far on entertainment and engagement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you are uh, post security waiting for your flight, then, then you're trying to get a lot of engagement, especially if it's around retail. So you get people excited and, and feel good about waiting for their flights. And if you do that, they are more likely to go into the retail store. So to me, that's the KPI. It's like, mm-hmm. if we can, if we can calm people and make them feel good about being there, because it's very hostile, you know, the environment. Yeah. And, uh, if you do that, you, you have the airports greatly. Yeah, I, I, I've certainly heard uh, a number of times uh, people talking about the dynamic of gate huggers and people who get through security and then they go immediately to their gate and they don't want to leave the gate because they're irrationally thinking, if I leave, the plane's going to board and leave without me. Absolutely. And you know that, that doesn't happen and the, the, the airports want them to go shopping and if they've got you know, 75 minutes, go, go get something to eat, you know, or, or go experience the, the moment vault if they're in Orlando, that kind exactly. of thing. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that's, that's kind of our own KPI for the moment vault was, I want people to miss their flight. That was my, that's what I wanted. I wanted people to forget <laughs> what time it is, you know, uh, I don't know if it happened yet. I should check, but, uh, you, know, you want to be careful about that. The, the, so they'll sue people about anything in the United States. <laughs> no, but I mean, the idea was, you know, we want to create a good engagement. And so people forget about time, you know, mm-hmm. with it. And, but we were very careful about how we designed it. So the, even the engagements, we made sure that all of the interactive stuff wasn't always playing. So, so you don't have that problem actually. You know, mm-hmm. people with that flight. Do you have but, a sense at all? 
of what works and what doesn't in terms of creative on a big screen. Oh yeah. 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 Um, what speed scale colors and blinking stuff, you know, like it's to me, when you design for spaces, it's the opposite of doing a rock show. Actually, it's, it's the complete opposite job. So you, you want to make sure that everything that you create feels architectural, uh, at least we do. Uh, mm -hmm. so we work very closely with the architects and we want to make sure that all of the lighting that is physical would match what's virtual. Uh, so we don't want to think about those screens as screens. We want to think about it as a part of the architecture. So whatever we create, we're trying to be very careful about that, which makes it the opposite of doing a movie. So, you know, you most likely if you're shooting live action, your camera is not going to move. You want to make sure that your perspectives feels uh, accurate in terms of scales. Uh, you want to do things slowly enough so you know, it's not distracting. Um, so yeah, we're, we're trying to really focus on those techniques to make it compelling within the space. Hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting. I I wouldn't have thought in those terms, but I, I, I guess if you if you're coming off of doing all the backdrops and everything for Fallout Boy and there's all kinds of things happening in behind the band and you, you can't do that in an airport or no, <laughs> an office no. tower lobby. Well, no, no, that would be, that would be crazy. Because uh, that's the thing. When you, when you do a rock show, you would use your surfaces as lights. Most of, you know, it's, it's a canvas for set mm -hmm. extension, but it's also light. So, so you can play with it in that thinking but when you're in the space for a private installation you need to think like an architect so it's very different yeah I've, I've i've written a lot about how led technology is maturing to a level that it's it can now be an architectural design decision like a this yeah. can be the full bulkhead of you know an airport uh, area over the tse screening area that that, that sort of thing and uh I, i'm in I'm curious if you have, or if, if you watch how that's evolving and you're intrigued by things like LED embedded in glass and so on. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we go to all those trade shows and uh, we came to work a lot with nanoliments uh, uh, on the past projects and on the future projects. Mm -hmm. uh, and their product is evolving so quickly. And that's how they think, you know, they think about LED as part of the architecture, you know. And I think they're right. Like, you know, their product is, it's becoming very stunning. It's, it really looks like, it doesn't look like a picture anymore. It, it really feels cinematic, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, it, and it's not aggressive. You know, the, the light is very diffused and it feels really soft and nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, can you talk, I, I know you, you, you referenced how you're now working on, uh, some aspect of the uh, airport in Houston. Are, are there other jobs that you're working on that you can talk about? Yeah, there is another one on the on the East Coast, but I can't talk about it yet. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so, well, so. Another airport? Yeah. Interesting. So same, same kind of idea as uh, the other ones? I know, this one is a bit different, but uh, they're all different though, but 
yeah, but you know, iron content, placemaking, hmm, but different, okay. different type of media features. <laughs> All right. Um, if people want to know more about your company, how do they find you? Yeah, we've not been very good at that. <laughs> well, I mean, you, 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 you've managed somehow anyways. Yeah, yeah, we, we're trying, you know, but we're small and we're not really good at marketing. But, um, but you know, hopefully we get known more and more and we want to get more engaged. And so, yeah, our website is a good place to start. And but we are doing more and more trade show and event. And, you know, we're going to be present in Spain also this week, next week. Um, and yeah, we're trying to be on all of the events and make sure that people start to know us more. Right. And they can find you at gentilhomme.com uh, and I will put the link in the uh, the blog post so uh, people who can't for the life of them spell gentilhomme will be able to find it that way. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, I appreciate your time. Uh, that, that was terrific. Uh, congratulations on uh, the work you've done to date. It's, uh, it's turned a lot of heads. Thank you so much. That's what we want to do. <laughs> All right. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you learned a thing or two. If you're new to 169, it's a podcast that's been around since 2016. You can click around the archive and find hundreds of conversations with smart industry people. If you're new to digital signage, you need to be reading 169 at 16-9.net. You'll find more than 8,000 posts by me and expert guest writers about this industry. 16.9 is not a press release republishing mill, like a lot of this stuff out there. If something makes it on 16.9, that means it matters in some way to the business. Everything about 16.9 is free. Great sponsors make my work possible, and the key one here is ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. Check out all the curated and automated content available at ScreenFeed.com. 16.9, the blog, and the podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which does customer engagement solutions, most of that digital signage, for all kinds of businesses. You'll find them in the Tampa area and online at Spectrio. That's Spectrio.com. You'll find me working out of a sunny back room in my house, located outside Halifax, Nova Scotia, on the east coast of Canada. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Haynes.